0: Right, today's reading is Romans chapter 15, verse 14 to 33, and apologies for the accent, but uh, we'll go with the flow. (laughs) Verse 14, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge and competent to instruct one another. I have written to you quite boldly on some points, as if to remind you of them again. Because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the miracles through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. So I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is, as it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who, will not, who have not heard will understand. This is why I have, been, I have often been hindered from coming to you. But now, that, but now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions... And since I have been longing for for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there, after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. For Macedonia and Acacia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them, for the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings. They owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I've completed this task, and I've made sure that they have received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when, you co- I, know that when I come to you, I will come in the me- full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. The God of peace will be with you all. Amen.
1: Thank you, our Father, that we have a friend in Jesus, that he guides us, that he shows us our paths. And we pray as we hear his words this evening, that you would help us to live in light of him and walk in his ways. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Sam introduced us to uh, the theme, uh, we're going to be thinking about ambitions this evening and what sort of ambitions we might have. Now, to Get our kind of um, imagination going. Uh, I've got some ambitions of famous people here. Uh, I think these are the kind of latest celebrities. I'll show my age here. Uh, Michelle Obama, uh, she says, always stay true to yourself and never let uh, what someone else says distract you from your goals. Always stay true to yourself. Perhaps that's your ambition. Uh, uh, what about this guy, uh, Messi? Messi? Uh, He says, my ambition is always to get better and better. What a great ambition, better and better. He's not been that good in recent years, has he? Uh, What about, uh, sorry, uh, if there are any Barcelona fans. What about this, Justin Bieber? Great tash, by the way. Uh, No matter how talented you are, not everyone is going to like you, but that's life, and here's the ambition, stay strong. It's inspiring, isn't it? Stay strong. Uh, I wonder what sort of ambitions you've got. Uh, maybe you've got the ambition to get in the first team or play for England. Uh, maybe you've got ambitions around life. You kind of picture the perfect house, the perfect partner and the perfect dog on the front lawn. Uh, perhaps you've got an ambition for a particular job. You just can't wait to have the opportunity to find that career. Or perhaps your ambition Uh, Is a bit more closer to home. It's the exams, or rather the lack of exams this year, trying to do well uh, at school and at college. But what difference does it make to be a Christian and have ambition? A lot of people imagine that we kind of kick out ambition as something that Christians don't really have. But actually, as we see in this passage tonight, we don't kick out ambition. But actually, we find in this, true ambition as Christians. Now, if you've not been here in recent weeks, we've been looking at the book of Romans, and uh, Romans, as you might imagine, is a letter written to the church in Rome by a guy called Paul. And in this chapter, he speaks about what his ambition is, so that we would share his ambition. And he puts it in three parts. Uh, He says that we should have a new priority, that we should have uh, a focus on new people, and then thirdly, a new purpose, and uh, we'll come to each of those in a moment. First of all then, a new priority. Now, um, when you're old enough to go to job interviews or university interviews, maybe you've done this already, a question you can bet you'll be asked is, what gets you out of bed in the morning?" Now, I know some of you probably don't get out of bed in the morning, or perhaps it's your parents kicking you, Uh, or my mum used to put a wet flannel on my face to get me out of bed. Uh, But for Paul, uh, he wants to show what gets him out of the bed. Now, obviously, when people ask that question, what they're trying to get to is what motivates you, what excites you, why you do what you do. And for Paul, he gives his answer to that question in verse 20 of chapter 15. He says, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Or we saw in verse 16, Sam showed this to us, that his ambition is proclaiming the gospel of God. See, what gets pulled out of bed every day well, it's to make the gospel, the good news of Jesus, known to the world around him. Now, I think this is a part where we might get a little bit fidgety in our seats, because we kind of don't sometimes like the idea that we might tell others about the Christian faith. Uh, we might imagine those people in the high street, you know, with the, do they still do this, the sandwich board saying the end is nigh, and uh, proclaiming on a megaphone that people need to repent, that kind of idea. Or we might just imagine the kind of very cringy conversation where someone just wants to say uh, what they say, uh, what tell people uh, without kind of engaging with them properly. But actually, we tell people about things we love all the time, don't we? Um, I've had a terrible mobile phone contract, I won't mention uh, who it is, uh, but uh, I've mentioned this to people And their response is to tell me how fantastic their mobile phone provider is. See, adults are really boring, aren't they? That's what they talk about, mobile phone providers. Uh, Or uh, we might, uh, if we've played a game uh, that we think's fantastic, we'll tell our friends, won't we? Um, I, um, I got a Nintendo Switch at Christmas and I downloaded Fortnite. I didn't know what it was, but so many people in the youth group had told me you've got to play Fortnite. Now I realize Fortnite's out of date, isn't it? No one plays it anymore. Uh, so I'm a bit behind. But you see the point. People love the game, so they tell others about them. Or or take um, uh, someone like uh, Greta... um, Hang on, let me find a slide. Sam, can you take me back? How do I do that? I thought I had a picture of Greta Thornburg there, but take her, for example. There she is. Thanks, Sam. (laughs) Uh, People might have different opinions on her, but no one can doubt her enthusiasm, can they? Because she believes that a message about the earth is really, uh, really, really important. And she she tells people. And it is the same for Christians. See, in the gospel, we think we have everything. Uh, Here's what Paul says about the gospel in chapter 1, verse 16. Sam, I wonder if you could make that appear for me, like the picture. Chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel... Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. See, a lot of people ask, what's God doing in the world? Where is he? What's he doing? Well, actually, Paul says that his power, his actions are shown in this gospel, the message of Jesus. And a lot of us talk about salvation. We we know our world's got lots of problems and we want to know what the solution is to those things. And again, Paul would point back to the gospel and say, this message about Jesus, his death, his resurrection, is the very answer. And a lot of people want to know how we can take diverse groups and bring them together. And Paul says, actually, this is the way it's to the Jew and to the Gentile, the non-Jew. This is the answer. So now we know that. It's unimaginable, isn't it? That we just keep that to ourselves. Now, I know a lot of us are too young to have uh, had a jab in the arm just yet, but it's pretty cool, isn't it, that we've now got the vaccine and it looks like it's working. It looks like this pandemic uh, is, at least uh, in Europe, uh, on its way out. And one of the more encouraging things about the vaccine is the way that it's been shared amongst countries because it would be unthinkable, wouldn't it, to come up with the solution to this horrible pandemic and not to share it with others. In fact, there's been a couple of times where companies have been a little bit territorial, try to kind of keep things to themselves, and there's been a big public outcry because we want that good news shared with as many people as possible. And, And in the gospel, we see an answer to sin, to death, to our deepest problems. Well, of course, it'd be unthinkable, wouldn't it? for us not to share that. So going back to those ambitions, I wonder what our ambition is. Well, Paul says it is overridingly that the gospel would go out. This message will be spoken to all people. But how do we kind of fit into that? Well, secondly, Paul goes on to uh, show uh, that this gospel is about is going to new people. Um, I don't know if you've ever booked a trip Uh, A flight or something like that, or perhaps uh, parents have, Uh, you know uh, nowadays when you get uh, your flight booked, you get another page saying, please enter your friend's email address. And then the idea is they get a notification of your flight number, and then they know when to pick you up at the airport. And Paul does something of that in verse 24. He shares his travel plans. He says, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through there and have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. See, Paul is on the way to Spain, but this isn't a direct flight. He's going to do a stopover in Rome. We'll get back to that in a moment. But now when we think of Spain, we think of um, kind of beaches and uh, sangrias and that, I know a lot of us too young, sorry, Um, non-alcoholic sangrias and, (laughs) you know, beach hats, that type of thing. But actually, Spain was quite different in those days. See, Spain was the end of the known world. See, Paul says he's gone uh, all around uh, the area. He's gone from Jerusalem in verse 19 to Elycreum. Uh, here's a map for uh, geography students. Uh, your Jerusalem is down here, somewhere, and uh, Elycreum is up here. And Paul says that he's gone in a circle. He's gone right round up to this bit. This is a huge territory. And he's explained the gospel, not to every single person, but he's, he's gone into new territories to do that. But now he's kind of done that work. It's all done. And so now he wants to press on to Spain over here. Um, I know where you know, I know you know where Spain is, but uh, over here. And he's going to go via Rome uh, there. So um, you see that actually uh, Paul doesn't want to kind of keep going over the same ground but actually look at what he says in verse 21 he wants to go where those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand see Paul's heart is for those who have not heard of Jesus so just like a, a gas kind of expands into a vacuum so, Paul wants the gospel to expand all over the world. Now, Paul isn't against kind of planting churches in places where there are all ready churches, but he is saying that actually this is a message for the whole world, and he wants that message to go out far and wide. Now, does that mean we all kind of log on and book a trip to Spain? Well, no, because um, Spain, in, in this sense, represented the edge of the known world but it does make us think, doesn't it? Are there people around us who haven't heard of Jesus? Now, I know hardly anyone in our country today has never heard of Jesus, but I guess lots of people haven't heard why Jesus is so significant, why he came, what's he got to do with me, and how should I respond? Um, I listened uh, to uh, uh, the kind of RE lessons. I kind of uh, went to church for a little bit when I was really young, and um, I learned about Jesus, but I never really knew what the message was. I never really opened the Bible. And I guess the same is for us if we 're at school, perhaps we know lots of our friends haven't actually looked at the Bible, or uh, the same for college and for work. I remember I was out with my friends uh, a few a couple of years ago, and I just said to them, "Guys, I just want to ask you a question. They weren't Christian. Do you know what grace is?" And they just looked at me blankly. None of them said God's riches at Christ's expense. Can you believe it? And I thought, I've explained to you, Grace, so many times, but they're clever guys. They just uh, hadn't heard it. I read in a book as well about how someone was doing a lecture. I can't remember which book it was. And uh, as they were doing the lecture, they were talking about Moses. And as they were doing it, they were getting all these blank faces and they realized no one knew who Moses was. Uh, The only guy who did was a Muslim student who knew uh, about Moses, but no one else didn't, Uh, no one else knew. See, lots of people around us haven't heard the gospel. Lots of people haven't picked up the Bible since it was given to them at their christening. And actually, we don't need to go to Spain to speak to people who haven't heard about Jesus. We've got them all around us uh, at school, at college, at work, and our friends. But how do we do that? Does that mean we all become like Paul? Well, no, because here we see a new purpose uh, for us as Christians. Let's come back to that stopover. Why does Paul take the stopover in Rome? Uh, Does it kind of cut down the flight costs? Well, no, Paul shows us uh, in verse 24 that he wants them to assist him on their journey. Now, to assist someone, in this sense, is to provide support. Um, if you go to uni, uh, you'll get an assistance loan. It won't be much, and you'll have to pay it back. But the idea is that you uh, can, can live, you can eat. It assists you. And Paul wants the church in Rome to assist him on their journey, on his journey to Spain. How does he do that? Well, he talks about money in verse 26. He talks about prayer joining him in praying in verse 30. And undoubtedly, Paul would have taken people with him. See, it shows us, doesn't it, that actually we don't all need to become kind of Apostle Pauls that we kind of need to just stop the day job or stop college and go off to Spain. But actually, we've all got a role to play in enabling the gospel to go out to all people. See, church is a bit like an army base camp. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in an army base camp, perhaps not. But you know in the movies, uh, you get these kind of pop-up camps that are really impressive. It's where people are resourced, where they get their weapons, uh, where they um, uh, plot the strategy, uh, where they kind of learn and train. And then they go out to the field uh, to do what they're going to do. And church is like that. Not as aggressive at all, uh, but it is there to equip us, to support us to go out. Perhaps you think to yourself, I'm not really a poor, I've struggled to talk about Christian's things. Well, actually, all of us can join in praying, can't we? For our friends, for our neighbours, for the people we love. Uh, perhaps you think to yourself, well, I've tried, but no one was really interested. But actually, sharing a story with someone at youth group can be really encouraging because you're in it together and all of us, I guess, can support one another, just reminding each other that this is what we're about. This is our ambition. If you were to imagine church as a car, I wonder what seat you would find yourself in. Of course, I like to assume I'm in the driver's seat. I'm right there at the front. But so often, it's easy, isn't it, to be in the back seat, kind of a passenger, uh, often asleep. Uh, I find myself uh, quite often but actually, Paul wants us all as a church to be right at the front driving this mission. No one else will do it. It is the church's one responsibility. And of course, we do this not because we have to, because, because we've kind of feel beaten up, but because we know Jesus is so good. We know that the news about him is so wonderful. It is the way we're forgiven. It is the way we find life, and it is the way we can know God as Father. And so, we all would want, surely, to share that news. Let's pray. Thank you, our Father, for the example of Paul and his ambition to make the gospel known. Now, forgive us, Father, when we are kind of lukewarm about. Uh, making Jesus known. Please forgive us, Father, when we forget and focus on other things. And please help us, Father, to be ambitious like Paul, not for ourselves, but for Jesus and his fame. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Well, thanks for sending in um, all of your questions, guys. Some really uh, interesting kind of topics being raised. Um, firstly, thanks to whoever said, not a question, but the music is extra wonderful tonight. I think we'll agree, doing a great, <laughs> great job, guys. Um, is that from Joe Fuller? <laughs> <that's... laughs> um, so, to start with, um, someone says, it's not that I don't want to share the gospel with others, but I'm afraid of how they might react. How do we overcome that reservation, especially in today's very divided world?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, Really good question. Yeah, sharing the gospel is hard, isn't it? Because we know that it's divisive because um, as much as it is the most fantastic news the world could ever hear, it does ask difficult questions of us. It actually shows us that the problems with our world are not out there or with other people, but they're in our hearts. Uh, But actually, the solution is found not in here, but with the Lord Jesus. And That can be hard for people. I mean, when I first heard that, that, um, I rejected it for two years. I was pretty angry about it. And um, it is difficult for people to hear. So I think, first of all, just recognize that there is a pain barrier you're going to go through. Uh, People might reject it. People might not. But remember, it's not you that people are rejecting as you do that. Uh, It is the message. And we know that from Jesus' experience and the apostles' experience and many Christians' experience uh, that actually... Um, it does uh, split people but having said that um, do press through the pain barrier Uh, I am just immensely thankful that when I was a pain in the neck to people and telling them how wrong they were that actually they persevered with me Uh, they didn't get angry they weren't horrible uh, but they were gentle and uh, were patient and so it might be that that friend who's kind of kicking off and saying oh this is ridiculous uh, actually might be the very friend who turns and uh, comes to know the Lord Jesus for themselves in your, uh, through what you say, but also uh, through the way you speak to them. So hopefully that starts, starts us off.
2: That's great, thank you um so someone else asks. um so kind of we've got a couple of questions actually about kind of personal ambitions so in a materialistic and self-centered society how do we ensure that our personal ambitions reflect god's grace and love and similarly on that in that vein are all other ambitions bad and how can we be ambitious with our gifts without being selfish
1: yeah, really, really good questions. Thank you for asking me. These are fantastic, by the way. Um, I'm not just trying to flatter you and, or play for time. They generally are good questions. Um, I can't remember what they are, uh, uh, what they were. Um, so, this question of other ambitions. Yeah, so I, I said this at the beginning, didn't I? That, that actually, um, when I became a Christian and um, a couple of years later, I realized Jesus is a really big deal, like a really big deal. And um, for my whole life, I'd been kind of had the ambition of being prime minister. Don't laugh. Uh, that was my ambition, or playing for England. Uh, don't laugh again. Uh, but um, when I discovered that Jesus was uh, everything, I remember thinking to myself, well, I've got to give up all that ambition. Uh, I won't play for England. I won't be prime minister. Uh, I'll become a vicar instead. But um, no, but uh, you know, you can, you can think that actually God just wants me to sit in my bedroom and do nothing. But actually, it's not like that, is it? Paul here, Um, uses his gifts, which happen to be uh, speaking and persuading people about Jesus, he uses them in a full-time way uh, uh, for God's uh, glory. So, it's not to say that uh, having an ambition to do a good job is a a bad thing, or having um, a desire to get married is a bad thing, or having a desire to get a dog is a bad thing. All of those things are are right, but all of them, um, if they're not done in light of what the Lord is doing in our world, well, then actually, they're not the best ambition we could have. Uh, Remember back a couple of weeks ago in chapter 12, where Paul says, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, uh, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Now, that's uh, the kind of, if you want to have an ambition for life, well, that's it. Offer your lives. Say, Lord, uh, I want to do this job. If this is what you think is a good thing, well, please let it happen. Uh, Lord, I want to meet someone. uh, If that's your ambition, please let that happen.
2: Great, thanks. So, a bit of a question about the language Paul uses. So, Paul says it's always been his ambition to preach Christ, but he did use to persecute Christians. So, that's not strictly true, is it, or or is it?
1: No, the word always, um, you know, has different senses, doesn't it? Um, I could say I've always wanted to play for England, I didn't always want to, like when I, was, you know, when I was in the womb or one years old, I didn't want to, I guess. But you could say, in, sorry, it's a bit of a weird image. Uh, but you could say, actually, I've always wanted to uh, in another sense. Um, yeah, so Paul's not saying, yes, he wanted to preach Christ before um, he became a Christian. Um, but I, I mean, just in passing, that is a, an amazing thing, isn't it? That Paul actually, his ambition before meeting Jesus was persecuting the church, uh, shutting Jesus up, uh, chasing down all his followers all over the place. He traveled miles to do it. And actually his ambition completely changed. Uh, So now he wants to make Jesus known rather than keeping him uh, squashed and quiet.
2: Cool, thank you. Um, So looking a bit more broadly, how should the church and its members balance the responsibility to encourage Christians with reaching people who haven't heard the gospel? So sort of those two... Absolutely. Yeah,
1: so if you were here this morning, I said a bit about this because quite often we have a bit of a dividing line that we think um, either you're a church that's for its people or a church that's kind of mission. And uh, I've been, you know, thinking about jobs and things uh, over recent months and quite often you'll see churches described in those two ways. Uh, we're a missional church or we're a kind of, um, a kind of church uh, that's a loving community. But actually that division isn't there in Romans. Paul um, thinks that both are possible, but both complement each other. So, actually, if you, um, grow, if you focus on um, the church and uh, teaching the gospel, actually, that will mean you. the natural consequence of that will be you want to speak it uh, to those outside. Uh, and actually, uh, as we engage with the community around us, we need each other, to, um, to, like the army base camp, to equip us to go out. So, yeah, don't think it's one or the other. Both are true, and both are there in Romans um and um both lead to, to the other
2: great we're nearly out of time but i really want to ask this last question if that's five all right. seconds. So it's just, how do i take on this ambition because it's pretty weird compared to the normal stuff i talk about with my mates like football etc any sort of quick fire yeah. <laughs> on that?
1: yeah so i had a friend who when someone said oh what do you do he sort of said i work for the king and people were like what and i goes yeah king jesus and uh yeah he was that type of a person who could get away with that and it not be too cringy. Uh, but uh, yes, it, it could seem a bit weird if we say, my ambition is to make Christ known to the ends of the earth. Um, but I do think it is worth saying, actually, first and foremost, we are Christians. And first and foremost, we do everything knowing who Jesus is. Um, just remind me the in again.
2: Um, it's, it's pretty weird sort of stuff compared to the normal stuff I talk about. How do I take on this ambition?
1: Yeah, so it might not be you do weird stuff to take on this ambition. Um, Lots of us do regular jobs. Zoe's a doctor. Um, You know, John's a a veterinary nurse. Um, uh, That is a bit weird. That (laughs) wasn't a good example. (laughs) 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 Sorry. (laughs) He works in dermatology. Uh, But sorry, that was unfair. Uh, But, you know, we're all doing regular things. I'm married. I've got three kids. You know, we're all kind of normal. So it's not that we kind of give up and do weird stuff. Uh, actually, we've all got that ambition, but we're all doing those things. John doing the veterinary nurse, uh, Zoe uh, being a doctor, we're all doing those things because we love the Lord, we love his people, and we want to make Christ known. So, um, yeah, think about how you're put together, what you're trying to do, and how this might fit with what God says.
2: Amazing. Thanks so much. Thanks for the questions.
1: Thank you.